in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Ni hao, everybody. Oh, hello. This is episode 115 of the Two White Chicks in China podcast. Thank you to everyone who has left us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate it, and it helps other people find us. Thank you, everybody. I also want to say thank you to Sean, who upped his pledge on Patreon. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. He'd already so he'd already pledged once before, and then he's upped it. Thanks, Sean. No, it's awesome, isn't it? That is really, really nice. So, Nora, do you have a fact about China for us? I have a quick and dirty fact about Audis in China. Audis. Yes. So <laughs> last year, China sold five hundred and ninety-seven thousand eight hundred and sixty-six Audis in China. Is that a lot more than other car brands? It's on par with it's it's slightly more than BMW.、Um, I think it's slightly less than Mercedes, but it's on par with a lot of the luxury car brands. But it's just astounding to think these cars are imported. So、right. it's just how much does one cost to import to China, and then. Multiply that by more than half a million, and it's just—it's unbelievable how much money is going into these luxury cars. Just a license and registration of the car in a city like Shenzhen can cost between five and ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I've heard that too. My news article is actually related to our question, but coincidentally, like I didn't go looking for it; it just popped up in my news feed. The headline is a mentally ill Chinese man lost. Fourier is reunited with his family thanks to facial recognition technology. Oh, yeah! This man was found in Chongqing railway station, and he was just like wandering around, and he appeared confused. So he was finally taken by I don't know who. He'd been cared for by just says authorities. They said they took him to a hospital for treatment, but unfortunately, they couldn't find out where he was from. Eventually, the staff at this hospital contacted a technology company who was. Piloting a scheme to use facial recognition technology, and they they used the man's picture and they scanned through public records, and luckily they found a match for him, and it turned out that he was a 31-year-old from the autonomous prefecture in Sichuan. They were able to contact his brother, and they were reunited. Oh, yeah. After a year. After a year, yeah. Wow, I under- I get the impression I've read other articles along the same lines where unfortunately people with、uh, mental health issues like just get lost in China, like they just go off and their families just don't- have no idea where they are. I'm、yeah. sure this this kind of thing happens all over the world actually, but I- I've read several articles like this specifically in China. There's just so many people in China <laughs>、right. that it could be easy to miss. I mean, you don't know necessarily that he's wandering around, you know, confused, and unless you you're sitting there for a long time and watching it happen. Otherwise, there's just、mm. so many people going to and fro. It's hard to know who's wandering and who's just walking around. <laughs> That's it. And this is、uh, actually quite a good segue into our question that comes from Nisa. She she left us a voicemail message, so we'll let her take it away. Hello, you magnificent pair of lawai. My name is Nisa. I'm calling from Munich, Germany, and I'm addicted to your podcast. <laughs> 
I've started listening to you because a couple of months ago it became apparent that we're likely to move to China because of my husband's career. I am very excited about the potential prospects, but I'm trembling at the thought of putting my now three-year-old through the Chinese education system. He's a brilliant kid. He's a wonderful kid, but um, he's diverging from the norm in more than one way. And uh, it's nothing too extreme. We still don't have a diagnosis, especially since the German system is very careful not to stamp hard labels on kids as young. But uh, the immediate suspect is there on the spectrum of autism. Now, Germany is very adept at providing help for cases like ours. We have a specialized kindergarten that provides play therapy sessions, individual private guidance from sociologists, psychologists, etc. And all that at the cost of the public insurance fee. Um, to my question, though, is um, what am I to expect from China in this aspect? How do the Chinese people view those who are mentally disabled or the concept of mental health in general? Thank you, Eton, for your insights. I love your show. Go Team Giggles and Auf Wiederhören. I love her energy in this. I know. It's so know. nice. <laughs> it's a really nice message. She's like, go Team Giggles. And I yeah. was like, oh, I love her. <laughs> Actually, I've got a couple of things I want to say before we get into answering the question. So today, as in the day we record this podcast... It's actually Adult Autism Awareness Day. Oh, worldwide? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and and then I also just want to... I don't think we need to say this because I think most of you guys out there who've listened to us kind of understand that we want to try and be as open-minded as possible, but we are not mental health professionals, and so if we use the wrong terminology or what have you, we don't mean to offend anyone. It's just that we're not up on that particular vocab. Definitely, definitely. Thanks for saying that, Holly. Clear our... (laughs) Yeah, because yeah. I feel as though people might get, you know, they might get in touch and say, oh, you use this phrase and you shouldn't use that anymore. And I'm sure we will say things that are not um, politically correct, so to speak. Yeah, we mean no offense. That's it, that's it. In fact, your mom actually works with some mm. mentally... She has worked with people with mental health mental issues. Health issues. Let's say that, okay. yes. Yeah, until actually until very recently. She doesn't anymore. But yeah, she for a long, long time she did. And my mom is actually a music therapist who also worked in uh, psychiatric wards as well. So both of us were raised to be sympathetic towards this topic. But again, we've also been in China for a long time. And even since we've been here, terminology has probably changed. So forgive our ignorance. Yeah. And didn't you also work at some point with in like a ward or something? Yeah, I worked at um, in an Alzheimer's unit. Yeah, so that's one type of mental health issue and it's pretty pretty serious um and that was really challenging and i also worked for a brief period at a like a group home um right yeah i was a certified nursing assistant actually my dad's a doctor a little bit about me because <laughs> i don't talk about myself enough on this show <laughs> no my dad's a doctor and so when i was youth i wasn't sure whether or not i wanted to go into the same discipline so i got my certified nursing assistant um training and started at the age of 16 working in nursing homes and mental institutions. That's how I paid to go to the movies and stuff in high school. (laughs) It was very eye-opening, and I eventually decided this was not my field. It was really tough, and I have a lot of respect for those who are in that field. 
yeah, it's definitely not something, an area that I could work in. I just, yeah, it always boggles the mind how, how like, strong and impressive these people are. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like with Nisa, this is, like, borderline. She's not really sure what, right. I mean, he's so young. So there's mm. probably a lot of wiggle room. They're not really sure what's going on with him yet. And I think even with more serious and diagnosed, Diagnosed issues. People in China tend to be relatively sympathetic. I think it's something that's not spoken openly about, but I don't believe I've ever seen any kind of outward ridicule towards people who have mental health issues here. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I have my own opinions on this topic before I did some research, and the research that I found doesn't really surprise me. But I am pleased that things are beginning to change in China because prior to the last, say, two or three decades, mental health has not been a priority in China. People did not understand about mental health and and didn't know how to deal with people with mental health. And that's beginning to change, which is good to hear. I also want to note most of the things that I found, they're about Chinese people who have mental health issues. And so I think as a foreigner, because for example, you're going to get stared at regardless of, you know, whether you're considered normal in the society or not because you're a foreigner. Some things are going to be strange to you either way. Um, and as a foreigner, you may find it easier or more difficult. I'd imagine you'd probably find it easier than most Chinese people in the society here because you're already an outsider. You're already like weird to them. Like weirdness is not really tolerated in this society, but because you're a foreigner, you're not really classified in the same way as a local person. Let's start with the root of mental health and how in general, or at least in the past, the opinions of mental health in China. So it's very much influenced by Confucian philosophy. Of course, we've talked a lot in the past about how the emphasis is on family in China as opposed to in the West, whereas we we focus a lot on the individual and our personal rights. In in China, it's, it's a bit different. You, you have a lot of... You have a duty to your family and also to achieve certain goals in society. We've talked before about like, there are certain things you should achieve to be happy, I guess. Like, have a, for a man, you should have a wife, you should have a child, a house, a car. That means that if you have these responsibilities and these responsibilities weigh very heavily on you, if you suffer from a mental health issue or you suffer from, say, for example, depression because you, you're getting pressure from work or from your family, most people just feel extreme guilt and shame if they feel these things. And so, unfortunately, most people, they don't want to talk about it and they don't admit it and for this reason mental health is lagging behind the rest of the world in their how they how they treat mental health and the services that people deserve and need to to help them through their mental health issues there's not a lot of services that are actually available to people with issues i found on a website called senmagazine.co.uk there's an article about autism in china and it's how the it's like this silent epidemic because of course it exists here. It seems like the percentage-wise, it's um, even slightly higher than most Western countries. Yeah. In China and in Jap- Japan, even higher. 
but it says the waiting list for private centers and international schools is intense. You get in through connections, priorities, relatives, friends of the people who run the place. In the end, it's, do you know the principal? So even in <laughs> these, and they were saying in these situations, so these are, I'm speaking about schools which are equipped to handle mental health issues or cater towards people with autism. And that's the other thing too, is I feel like autism, it's, you know, it's obviously not as extreme for some, like a lot of, people with autism can function in society normally sure. and but they kind of like throw everybody together like somebody who has like a mild form of autism let's just say they could very well attend a regular school and just need a little bit of support every now and again yeah or a little bit of understanding if they're behaving in a way that the other students can't understand mm -hmm. even if you do find a school that supports this kind of issue it's really really hard to get in and this is only in the first tier cities second tier or third tier city forget about it they're not even going to have any facilities like that. I watched a, a very short video on YouTube about a school and, and it was a little bit old as well. It was about a center for autistic children on the outskirts of Beijing and they, they were focusing on, on one family. This school, they tried to provide one-to-one -one care for the child, but they had no trained health professionals. Mm. No one, they, none of them had any training, but they had music teachers and, I mean, people who really want, who did want to help, but the father of this one child said he was paying $700 a month and that was I mean this video must have been at least 10 years old I think oh. which was more than his salary and he was saying he would have to sell his home but but obviously he would do it for his daughter but this was the only option because there was no funding available is that stars and rain no this wasn't but I did read I did read about that as well okay because stars and rain I, I found was it's at the first autism center in China and that's also located in Beijing and they focus on educating the children themselves and also educating the parents in like a in it's like an intensive training program it's not meant to be a full-time like primary school or right. middle school or whatever it's it's meant to be just like an intensive training program just giving the kids and the parents a chance to develop some skills that will help them function in a normal school environment yeah that's really and i think what you touched on about parents having training as well i definitely think that's something that china needs in general like more people need to understand a little bit more about autism and other mental health issues because i think a lot of parents who have children with with autism they think that there's somehow like a cure i think in the past they they assumed that there was like a miraculous sort of way or that they would grow out of it i read in China, for a long time, people thought that autism was caused by loneliness and that children would like naturally grow out of it as they got older. Oh, that's really interesting because the Chinese word for autism literally means like self-closed mm. disease. Which yeah, is, I read that. Yeah, which is really fascinating. You can kind of get a glimpse of how they view the disease that way. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to backtrack a little bit because I found some really interesting information about mental health in China and how things are progressing because this really encouraged me because I was expecting the, this whole episode to be a little bit of a downer <laughs> because in general I am aware that in the past China has not focused on mental health but it took China a long time to pass any mental health laws the first was in 2012 but China announced that they had created a national five-year mental health work plan which focused on autism which by the way is China's number one mental health illness oh yeah schizophrenia which is still massively stigmatized China still doesn't really fully understand this illness depression and also dementia 
that they've realized these are the four diseases that China needs to really prioritize. There are probably a lot of autistic children in schools, but people just aren't aware of the disease. And also,、mm. there are a lot of people who behave in a way that's similar sometimes to、uh, people who are autistic. Like, I've met a lot of kids that you speak to them, they don't make eye contact with you. They're only interested in, like, they're kind of already zoned in、yeah. like that. And honestly, it's, it's difficult to tell whether or not there's something more going on. So、mm. I almost feel like a child who is autistic would probably function almost better in a society like this because there are, there's kind of this similar attitude with, with a lot of children where they're not super, like, there's really a lot of social awkwardness here in general just because they don't have an, A lot of opportunity、mm. to socialize in a free kind of a way. They're usually、yeah. just focused on books and these planned activities. Everything's really regimented. And so, I don't know, in some ways, I almost think that an autistic child might function better in a society like this than in the West, where it's this whole freedom of expression. It's all about the social interaction, and there's a lot more pressure on communication, face to face communication like that.、Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a good point. I, I hadn't really thought about it like that before. Because haven't you met kids in China where you say、yeah. hi to them and then they just don't even look at you? Yeah. This happens a lot. Yeah. And like they have a, like they, you have a hard time getting,、mm. you know, and I'm not talking about a linguistic barrier. These kids either they know English or I'm speaking in Chinese, they just don't make eye contact、yeah. and they don't seem to have interest in other people. It's just, and I don't know, maybe some of them have actually been autistic. I don't know, but.、Yeah. I also read some article. There was like someone on Quora was like, Should I go to China? It was an autistic person writing the question. It was like, Should I go to China and find a girlfriend?、Oh. And somebody who's Chinese wrote the answer that was like, Yeah, you should because Chinese people are already awkward socially in a lot of ways. So you'll just fit right in. Like, Wait, was there a response from a Chinese person? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's interesting. <laughs> So, something I was really, I mean, this is kind of like following on from what you were just saying. In China, or at least in the past, I'm not sure if this is quite the same now, but kids with autism are either refer, referred to as stars or weaklings. They actually refer to children with autism as children from the stars, which I guess is where they came up with the name from, for that, that,、uh, center, right? Did you say it was something stars? Stars and rain. Stars and rain. I guess that's probably where that came from. I- I'm guessing. And so they, I mean, as you said, in China, if you're, I'm, and I'm using like bunny rabbit ears, quote, like normal or not normal, you're basically in one or the other category, like it's black or white. And it's the same, even more, like more specific, like with children with autism. Because as we said, we're not experts, but from the little I do understand about autism is that some children with autism show signs of like they hone in on one thing. So they become very knowledgeable on one particular area. And so I suppose in China, those children would be referred to as stars and perhaps children who are maybe more difficult to deal with. In general day to day life, I guess they would be referred to as weaklings. There's this ageofautism.com website talking about autism in China, and it says、um, at school, individuals' talents, unique talents, are not sought out and encouraged. In fact, there is no such thing as the individual. Unlike in the United States, where personal interests and talents are discovered at an early age and nurtured, Everyone in China is expected to perform at the same level. There is no special class for math people or art people or music people. Everybody must be equally good at math, at art, at music. 
differences are frowned upon. It says, which is why children with autism are not accepted into kindergartens or schools. If they can't work in the classroom like the other students, they must not be in the classroom. If they stand out in any way, either by their appearance, students in China follow strict rules for uniform, shoe color, and even hairstyles, or their behavior, they are seen as a distraction to the other students and hinder their learning. Even the few special education schools that do exist in China cater to the hearing and visually impaired and those with intellectual disabilities. They lack the knowledge and skills to educate children with autism. So autism is still a new term in China and there is very little awareness of the condition. Children with autism are therefore rejected from both the mainstream and special education system. So it's not really uplifting, but I just want to be real about the situation here in China. But again, going back to Nisa, I feel like as a foreigner, it's not really the same because you're, like I say, you're already not a part, you're not going to have the same haircut and the same, you know, you're already going to be an oddball. You're definitely classified as something different regardless. So I don't think it's going to be judged as harshly your son's condition. I think if he can function in a classroom in a way that's not harmful to the other students, there shouldn't be a problem. But you definitely shouldn't expect any extra care or attention or understanding from the teachers or the other parents. Just just lack of information. Uh, You just said that on the site that you found that information that they said that they lack knowledge because it's a relatively new concept in China. Well, actually, in the US, there was the first diagnosis of autism. That was made way back in 1943. But autism didn't appear as a condition in China or, or in medical records till 1982. So well, like, think, a, you know, amazing. you gotta think about China's development. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you come here and you feel like it's this super modern place. In a lot of ways it is. But this is a country where I think homosexuality was still classified as a mental health, like yeah, a mental illness yeah, until so. the 90s, like, or even after that. I mean, it's really, like, things have developed in a really different way than in the west and so you kind of like for some things it's really modern and for other things it's what we would consider backward that's just china actually asia in general there's a lot of these kind of juxtapositions Mm -hmm. well what we would consider (laughs) juxtapositions going on too so it's yeah it's it's interesting like i wouldn't expect too much in too short of time here Mm I found some interviews with two Chinese like mental health professionals and they were being asked like what do you think about mental health in China do you think things are improving and they said that China has gone through so much in the last three decades but that Chinese people are realizing beginning to realize the importance of mental health and that there's less stigma associated with seeking help if you have a mental health issue compared with 20 years ago. Even that universities, this is this is really cool actually, I didn't know that most universities now have counselling if you feel like you, you have, I mean I'm guessing that depression and, and that kind of thing is probably really, you know, occurs quite frequently in universities. But the, it's, the services are free. Also, a lot, most general hospitals also have a psychological counselling clinic which I didn't know about. That's new new information to me. Yeah, I didn't know about that either. Mm-hmm. I mean, psychology, psychiatry, this is not really a field in China. I've never met a Chinese person that has a therapist. Right. Yeah, well, that's it. That's funny. When I was thinking about this, in the US, it seems that a lot of people go, have gone to see a 
a psychiatrist. That I don't think that's quite happened in the UK. It, it might, but apparently, according to statistics, there's only there's one psychologist for every eighty three thousand people in China, and most of these psychologists are not licensed. Like they're not board licensed. And this is actually mainly because in China, um, like psychiatry, very low down, like the social state status of a doctor who focuses on those areas, it's really low compared with other medical specialities. There's still even this idea of superstitious element in China. Like a lot of the parents, I read a lot of the parents feel ashamed when they have a child that has an issue because they feel, and this is a quote. They think I did some bad things in a past life, so I deserve this. So it's like some kind of a punishment for something that they have done in in a previous life. So it's hard、mm. to reason with a culture that has this kind of mentality. Like they just a lot of the time, these kids become shut-ins. Like they don't go, well, not necessarily kids, but as adults, if they can't function normally in society, they just. Get shut in,、so、institutionalized. I guess either that or they're just at home, at home yeah. yeah, and, and mom、rural. and dad, are, yeah, yeah, or like keeping watch on them and don't let them go out because it's like shameful for the family because of these kind of beliefs. Yeah, I, I read that a lot of families are embarrassed to admit. That they have a child or a family member who has mental health issues, and as we said, that's how it's viewed in 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 Chinese culture. It's like it's still stigmatized. But even so, I have found more. I've seen more and more people out and about with their caretakers who have some kind of mental illness on the metro, in the parks. I seem to be seeing more and more people out and about. Which is encouraging. First coming to China, let's see, nine years ago almost. I almost never ever saw anybody who was had physical issues or you know was blind or deaf. But I feel like I see more and more people who are blind or they have Down syndrome or they have some kind of physical ailment. I seem to see it more. Here than I did in the past, and the numbers don't lie. I mean, I don't think there's any statistics to show that China has less people with physical disabilities or mental disabilities than anywhere else in the world. It's just they all seem to be recluse-like. They're all just kind of outcast, and you know, you hear of this dwarf village <laughs> where all of the little people live because they basically can't function in society. They can't find jobs. Nobody wants to give them a job. Doesn't matter how capable they are. If you're a little person, you don't fit into the,、mm. the normal standard here in China, and so you have a couple options. One is to just go to a rural area and work for nothing your whole life. Another is to go to this dwarf village where they like literally live in mushroom houses and do like handicrafts and stuff. And it sounds really humiliating, but it was really interesting to read actually the interviews and statements from the people who actually lived there. They were like, "We actually love living here because such and such." It's really, I mean, it's very controversial、yeah. topic. But、um, the point is, China society is still not equipped to integrate with a lot of the spectrum of life. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, it's funny you saying that. You feel like you're seeing more people. I, I, I guess. I am too, but I mean, when you consider the population, 
and then the amount of people you do see it's i mean it's so it's so tiny right. in fact yesterday do you, i don't know if you remember when we were in the park there was a young boy in a wheelchair yeah um i'm not i mean i'm not sure what his disability was but that's like that's a rarity you don't you rarely even see the elderly in wheelchairs never that's mind right. like young people it's just it just doesn't happen that's a good point it's like in the u.s i feel like it's standard once you hit 80 it's yeah. like everyone's in a wheelchair, but not here. Definitely not. They still have a baby strapped to their back and are walking, you know, or a six-year-old strapped <laughs> yeah, to their backs and right. are walking along for miles and miles. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, Nisa, I hope this gave you a little bit of insight into what to expect here. I know it's not as helpful as you probably would like, but um, I, I really encourage you, if you know the city that you're going to be living in in China, to try to connect with other parents. Actually, in Shenzhen, I found this Shenzhen Autism Society, which was established by 12 parents oh, with autistic children. And I'm sure that they are wonderful resources towards each other, and they're like the life support for each other. And so I encourage you, if you find it's necessary, if you need some kind of support, to try to get in touch with any groups like this prior to coming to China, just so you have a few contacts that you can rely on once you get here. Don't worry about your child being ridiculed or being bullied or something like that for being the way he is. I think he's going to be fine in that respect, especially if he, depending on how well he functions in a classroom environment, he might be just fine and you won't even necessarily need to talk about it openly to the, to the school. I wish I knew somebody who had an autistic mm. child that we could have interviewed, but it was it's not something that's easy to find actually here. So unfortunately, you can't give you some on-the-ground advice at this moment, but I'm sure you can find somebody if you're going to a major city like Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen. Yeah, definitely. Actually, I forgot to mention, Nisa and I talked... This was some time ago. We either emailed or Facebook messaged each other, and she did mention that there was some of the cities they were considering were not like top tier cities. There were smaller cities. I'm not sure where they ended up, but hopefully wherever they are, they'll be able to get the support. That's great about that that uh, society in mm -hmm. Shenzhen. That that really that that pleases me a lot. <laughs> The other thing is, does I mean, does a three-year-old really need to be in school, especially if you're going to these, let's say, not the top-tier cities? It's going to be hard finding an international school that fits your standards regardless, and so, I don't know, it might be worth it to just stay at home with him or hire um, a Chinese nanny, which is a very inexpensive way to get a break for yourself as well um, and you can kind of teach the nanny what you want so if you're okay with your son not being in school for a year or even for a few months for you to adjust and decide whether or not this is right for you then that's probably okay too because um, a lot of the kindergartens that you'll find are not necessarily going to be bilingual they might have mm. English classes but he's going to have to be speaking Chinese to all the other students and so yeah. that's not going to be easy for any child to do so maybe you can rethink your strategy for schooling for him as well yeah I agree and I, I think that once he would start school properly if you were to find an international school I think if it's a true international school like the ones that we have in they do exist in Shenzhen <laughs> like that have 
Western curriculums and they have more understanding and they even have lots of kids from the West. I would imagine that those schools would have more understanding as well. And use WeChat as a reference. Maybe you can get in touch with some organizations or groups in WeChat while you're still abroad to try to connect with other parents with autistic children. I think you'll be fine if you don't do any of these things as well and you come and you kind of figure it out, but I think more of a peace of mind for yourself before coming to China would be valuable. Yeah, and as you said, for like just support. And they've obviously, if they're here, like if they're in China already, they'll have already experienced lots of things and they'll be able to help you with various hurdles or maybe give you advice on various things on other issues that they've dealt with being here. Yeah, and it might be worth it to find some online services. I'm sure that there are people who do counseling or strategy planning or something like that online for you that you could, if you could get in touch with somebody while you're still in Germany and then continue that relationship while you're in China or find some online services where you'll be able to Skype call or, you know, be able to contact with somebody who you can at least talk to and get ideas. That's also an option. So don't forget that you'll still, I mean, you'll you'll have some hurdles working with the VPNs here in China considering the internet firewall. You will be able to find a method to reach people abroad, even if it's just calling them, to get that kind of support as well. You don't necessarily need to rely on people who are within your proximity. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of those these services that seem to be becoming popular now. There are, you, I get adverts on Instagram all the time. <laughs> so do you want a word of a week? Yes, please. So I'm going to go back to the word for autism because I just find it really fascinating. So it's So it's literally self-closed disease. Mm. So it's very, very, very interesting. But very Chinese. It's a very, I mean, it, contextually it makes sense mm-hmm. why they would call it that indeed yeah so if you're curious about learning chinese don't forget to check out our written chinese dictionary app you can search written chinese dictionary in itunes or google play to find it or you can go to the website writtenchinese.com and um don't forget to leave us a voicemail as nisa did it's so nice to hear her voice i feel like i know her listening to her voice message thank you nisa for sending that in really interesting topic again hopefully we were a little bit insightful to you (laughs) sorry it's not as comprehensive as we would both like to be but i hope it helps yeah, and if you want to see the show notes for today's episode, you can go to writtenchinese.com slash episode 115 and there'll be links to our dictionary so you can learn the word for autism and all the links we've used because we did quite a bit of research for this episode. So all those links will also be there for you to take a further look. And if any of you out there have any familiarity with this topic, please, Mm. please, we're begging you. Send us your stories, send us your contacts. We can make a community as well out of it on the in the show notes and we hopefully we can get people in contact with each each other. other. I think it's really important to have a community here. So please do that if you're out there listening. Hello, hello. Yeah. Or you could go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash two white chicks, and the two is T-W-O. And so you can connect there as well. All right, well, we hope you tune in for the next episode of the Two White Chicks in China podcast. Bye. Bye.